And it's just wonderful to pour out our praise. There's nobody like him. Nobody worthy of worship. Just him alone. He's worthy of all our praise and honor. I could do this all day. I could just worship all day. In fact, I know there's going to be a day when that's what we do. Because we're going to be in his presence and we're just going to be so in awe and wonder of this King of kings and Lord of lords and the only expression, the only natural, it's like our breath that we're just going to worship. We're just going to worship. Please, if you would take out your Bibles. Turn with me to Psalm 133. Stay standing for the Word of God. Say amen when you're there. Amen. Psalm 133. A song of ascents. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Let's pray. Father, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Father, we just want to confess this morning that we love you. And Father, we thank you, Father, for this opportunity to gather in your name, to gather as a community of believers, to gather as one man this morning, Father, to worship you for your worthy. Lord, Father, we're just asking that you, through the power of your Holy Spirit this morning, that you would speak so clearly to our hearts, that your advocate, your paraclete, would speak into our hearts and our lives this morning, that we wouldn't walk out of those doors the same way that we walked in, but that we would be changed for your glory, more so for your glory and for your honor. Thank you for your word, Lord. We're asking that you would guide us into your truth. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, please be seated. Boy, I'm ready to do the announcements. This is, uh, <laughs> this is a little unusual. Um, this morning, um, we're going to look at something that is just kind of near and dear to my heart, uh, something that I'm very passionate about. Um, the beauty, the beauty and the value of community. The beauty and the value of community. Um, this morning I want to take a look at the truth that God has always called his people. God from the beginning has always called his people into community. He's always called them into fellowship, right? Even when Adam was by himself, he saw that and he said, no, that's no good. He's always called his people into community. He's called his people into fellowship. Whether it be Israel, his people, he called them to corporate worship. 
or whether it's us as his children, as his believers today, that we gather as community. Do you hear that? Because we miss that a lot in the church. We miss that a lot in today's environment. We miss community. And so my challenge this morning, my exhortation, is, is to, um, to go back to the way God originally intended. The psalmist here in Psalm 133, what a beautiful psalm, isn't it? Psalm 133. The psalmist here, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us a glimpse of God's heart. He gives us a small glimpse of God's heart and the pleasure that God has when His people gather together, and not only when they gather together, but when they gather together as one and in unity. And it's a beautiful, a beautiful psalm. Um, and I think I want, I want to stress that. There's two important points here. As the body of Christ, there's two important points. Yes, it's important that we have unity and community, right? But you can't have unity and community without having community. And so I want us to see the importance in God's, uh, how God stresses in His Word that He wants His people to get together. All right? And so we see in Psalm 133, look at verse 1 in Psalm 133 again. Behold, he says, behold, look upon, look at, get a glimpse of how good and pleasant it is. You can almost see God's heart, the expression of God's heart. When his people come together, and I always use this picture, I use this picture to the point where it's almost getting too much. But when God's people come together, it's like the sweet-smelling aroma to the God of the universe. He takes it in. It's like, there they are. There they are. And it's just an exp- you can see that when it says, behold, it's good and pleasant. God takes joy and pleasure when his people gather together. And I couldn't help but think of when I, was, when I was studying this, I thought of the testimony of the St. Lucia team last Sunday. And one of the things that they were just all thrilled about was, yeah, God was glorified. Yeah, the gospel went out. Yeah, lives were touched. But they were so blessed and overwhelmed with the community of how the 15 or 16 just connected. And I can't, I can't help but imagine when they were down there and they were do all be in the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, of how God was just up in glory and just saying, what a beautiful expression of worship. What a beautiful expression of worship. And the psalmist does something beautiful here, King David. He does something beautiful under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He gives two illustrations on what brothers dwelling in unity is like, on what Brothers dwelling in unity is like. Look at verse 2. It is like the precious oil on the head running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Boy, to us, that's pretty foul. <laughs> right? Pouring oil over somebody's head. But um, I want you to get a glimpse of what the psalmist is writing about here. Turn with me. I want to hear pages turn. We don't have any board. Turn with me to Exodus 30, 22 through 33. And the psalmist here, David, is taking this, 
this illustration and he's pulling it from, it's a picture from Exodus 30, 22 through 23. Exodus 30, 22 through 33. Man, I miss hearing that, the pa- turning of pages. Thank you, guys. Um, okay, is everybody there? Amen? Amen. Exodus 30, 22. Watch this. This is the oil that he's referring to in Psalm 133. The Lord said to Moses, Take the finest spices of liquid myrrh, 500 shekels, and of sweet-smelling cinnamon, half as much, that is, 250, and 250 of aromatic cane, and 500 of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hin of olive oil. And you shall make of these a sacred anointing oil, blended as by the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. Do you see what God is asking him? He's prescribing for them to make this oil, and it's not only an oil, but it's a beautiful perfume. So whoever this is poured on becomes that sweet-smelling aroma that we were talking about. Look at verse 26. With it you shall anoint the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the table and all its utensils and the lampstand and its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the basin and its stand. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy, whatever touches them will become holy. So they take this oil and they cover everything in the tabernacle so it becomes consecrated and set apart for God. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Continue with me. Look at verse 30. You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout our, your generations. And so they would take this oil and they would anoint Aaron and his sons, the priests. Why would they anoint them with this oil? So that they would be holy, set apart, consecrated for the master's use so that God could use them. And what God says in Psalm 133 is when we come together and we come together in unity, it sets us apart. Are you getting that? We're seeing in the church so much division, so much disunity. That's the enemy. And God in His Word is saying when my people, when my children, when my saints come together and they join in unity, they're consecrated, they're set apart, they're meat, right, Mike, for the Master's use. Isn't that beautiful? Go back to Psalm 133. Back to Psalm 133. I just thought that was absolutely gorgeous, beautiful picture that God puts in His Word. Right? It's like the precious oil on the head. When we join in, when we gather in unity, it's like the precious oil. So God is, when we gather together and we're in one mind and we're just here to worship, it's like oil all over the place. I love it. I love it. And then he gives a second illustration. Look at verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon. 
which falls on the mountains of Zion. What is like the dew of Hermon? When we gather in unity, right? It's like the dew of Hermon. And I've read from so many commentators agreed that that life-giving dew that would gather the moisture that even in the dry seasons, that dew, that moisture that brings life, that brings green, that brings fruit, right? Not a beautiful picture. And so when we gather together what God is saying in his word and when we have unity, we're vibrant, we're alive. Disunity, but unity God can use us, and God bears fruit. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful psalm of how God desires us for to be in community, and not only in community, uh, but when in unity. So when God gather, when God's people gather, and they gather in unity, it's it's good and pleasant. It sets us apart, makes us fit for God's use. It brings life, fruit, vibrancy to God's people for his glory. Are you getting that? Are you getting that? That all to come here. It's clear in Scripture that God called Israel to community, to worship. God calls his church to community, to serve and to worship. And here's the thing. We live in a society that's getting further and further away from that, isn't it? Right? We're, we want to separate. We want to be alone. We want downtime. We want to put up fences. We want to guard our properties. We want to keep people out. It's so different from what society used to be. We live in a society that um, has social media. I love that. I love the name of that, social media. Social media is actually creating a society that's antisocial. We have TV sets. We have TV sets that it's not uncommon to binge and watch a series for a whole weekend. Has anybody ever done that? We have a younger generation. We have a younger generation who's just hooked. Guys, hooked. Playing video games with people from other countries and just sitting in a room in darkness and just playing video games. I, you may have heard this on the Christian radio. I heard the testimony of this one woman, and she was praising God. Her son was meeting with a counselor, and she was praising God because her son was down to six hours a day of video games. It's an addiction. And so we live in this society where Satan and the world is bombarding us with the idea and ways to get apart. And here's my challenge this morning. God doesn't call us to be apart. God calls us to be together, to be together, to use our gifts, to do all the one another's. And I, here, all that is to say we have to guard our hearts as believers, as his church, that we do not allow the world to influence us from fellowship from gathering together as his people. Believe me, believe this, believe this with all your heart and soul. When God calls his people to community, yes, it's for his glory, but you better believe it's for our good. 
He doesn't call us to community because He wants us just to band together as people and make Him happy. He calls us to community because He knows as believers we need it. We need it. And so much you see in the church today, so much of the church is doing just the opposite. They're running away from each other instead of towards each other. So turn with me today, turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to look at the example of the early church. Acts chapter 2. So let me set the scene with you in Acts uh, chapter 2, right? In the beginning of chapter 2, the Holy Spirit has come upon, right, the early church, the early believers. It's Pentecost. So you have people from all over the world coming. And all these people from all over the world just heard the gospel in their own tongues. Twelve different tongues are mentioned, right? And so you have, I think it's 3,000 souls have come to Christ, You have this exciting scene. Peter gets up boldly and preaches the gospel. I read it uh, yesterday morning for the first time in a while, man. What a message uh, Peter preaches. And so look with me at verse 41. I want you to capture this. This is the heart of the early church. In verse 41, he says, So those who received his word were baptized, and there was... There were added that day about 3,000 souls. Does everybody see that? 3,000 souls now, believers. They received the word. They're baptized. They're coming in. Now the church is starting. An exciting time. And I want you to see verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to what? Fellowship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Day by day, this early church was getting together. Are you capturing this? And they were breaking bread and they were fellowshipping. And I want you to, the early church understood the value of fellowship. In verse 42, that word for fellowship is koinonia. And that word koinonia involves a much deeper level of fellowship. It's not just coming on Sunday morning and say, hey, Sue, man, isn't the weather beautiful? Did you have a good week? I'm talking about koinonia. I'm talking about fellowship, life on life. Investing in one another. Loving one another. That word devoted in verse 42. Now capture this in the original language. That word devoted in the original language means to be constantly diligent constantly diligent they were devoted to fellowship they were intentional guys with gathering together intentional and passionate about gathering these believers guys engaged in life on life And I, can I challenge, please? This is, it's on my heart. It's, I'm passionate about this because this is my, my passion. It's just to see the church gather and get together around his word, use all those gifts, do all those one another's, and gather around Christ and fellowship so that God would be exalted. 
And so you may be sitting there and you might be saying, well, Pastor, we come on Sunday morning. How else can we do this? How else can we accomplish that? And I'm actually very glad you asked. If you would do me a favor and just take out your bulletins. Hopefully you all received the bulletin. In that bulletin is a small group list. Can you just take it and wave it, please? So I know you got it. Thank you, guys. It's also up on the website. Um, we have a, 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 a slew of, a slew. Uh, I want to say maybe there's 13 or 14, if somebody counts, of small groups that are taking place right now. As a church, we want to have 15 to 20. We want to just we want to get people plugged into small groups because that's where we believe that people can really practice koinonia, can really practice being together with one another. Um, but I want to be real about this, all right? I, it's so easy to get up here and preach at you and beat you over the head. I want to be real about this. Um, I know how difficult it is to be a part of a small group at times. I know that when you have children, all right, Pastor, what do I do with my children? How do I, how do I make that work? Uh, Mike, do you know my schedule? I commute, I get up, I leave 7, and I get home at 7. I, I know that there's a lot of things that make it really difficult to connect. But I want you to, I want you to just consider this, that the early church were constantly diligent. They understood the value of it. They understood how they needed it and how God used it for His glory and for our good. And for our good. And so as leadership, as leadership, if you have a desire, if you truly have a desire to meet with other believers, if you have a desire just to meet one-on-one -on -one and get discipled, please, please let us know. All right, while you're sitting there, I'm asking you to take a pen or take the little pencil in front of you and put your name and number on that small group list. And as you leave, I want you to hand it to the ushers, please, because I want to know anybody who has any inkling that they want to get into the Word of God and study the Word of God, and gather together in fellowship, and practice koinonia. We want to know, because as leadership, we want to make it available to people. And we want to struggle to make it work whenever it works for you. All right, so please take that piece of paper, write your name and number. If you want to get plugged into a small group, we would love to create more small groups and get more people plugged in. All right, so please hand that to the ushers as you leave. Um, so what I'm going to do this morning is have you ever, uh, have you ever met a person from AA who's really excited about AA? Have you ever met one of those? Have you ever met a guy who's just started a keto diet and uh, is, <laughs> no, you, you meet somebody who's been on a diet. I remember a brother who started a diet and for years, man, his Everything was going right, his health, and everything changed in his life. 
right? And so you meet these people who are really excited about certain things in their lives. And you know why they're excited? Because those things change their life. And so you're looking at a guy who is passionate about small groups. Small groups changed my life. Christ changed my life, ultimately. But small groups changed my life. And I want to just give, I want to share a testimony of how small groups changed my life. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts 20 with me, please. Acts 20. Acts 20, 18 and 20, 18 through 20. In Acts 20, we have Paul. He gathered the elders together from Ephesus um, where he ministered for three years. So in Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 18, look at Paul's heart. And when they came, those are the elders, they came to meet Paul. And he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with all tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching in public and from house to house. You hear Paul's passion? And so my testimony is, I experienced that. My first pastor came to my house and did a one-on-one Bible study through 16 different lessons. Man, as soon as I was saved, I was encouraged to get into a small group. And I'm, I'm telling you, coming Sunday morning is one thing, but getting plugged into a small group, you grow so much faster and quicker. And so just as Paul invested in the Ephesians' life, I've had people invest in my life in small groups and one-on-one. Turn with me to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Is everybody there? Take your time. Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Paul writing to the church in Colossae says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in Him. And so, guys, as I plugged into small group, My testimony to you is, boy, did it do some work in my life. As men and women invested the Word of God into my life, look at the illustrations, right? I I became rooted like a tree, like a tree planted by a river of water, right? Psalm 1. So as you get into small groups and you start learning and hearing the Word of God and you start connecting with one another, you get rooted in, in the truth, and you don't become that wavering where anything can make you doubt. It just it roots and grounds you in the truth. Look at the other illustration. He says, built up in the faith, an image of building. So as you go and you connect and you get into the word, you're actually blocks going on one at a time, and you slowly get built up into the image of Jesus Christ. 
And that's what small groups has done in my life. I'm still just a foundation. I got a long way to go, but established in the faith. And that word established is sure, fixed, to be firm, steadfast. Guys, as you get into the word, church, as you get into the word, as you connect, Who's been in small groups? Now, how many people, hands down, how many people, small groups have changed your life? Thank you. Last but not least, John 13. John 13. Turn with me to John 13. John 13, 34 and 35. Is everybody there? John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I know what I've experienced in small groups. I remember whew, my wife uh, being pregnant, having a baby, and just getting meals. Small group, just here's a meal. I remember the power it had actually in my wife's life for her to actually see Christ. To see Christ. Uh, but it comes as we love on one another. And my, my challenge to you this morning is on Sunday, we meet on Sunday and it's beautiful. We have a community group afterwards. But it's so hard and it's so hard not to be superficial and to get into that deep koinonia type of fellowship. Small groups has given me, do you know that there's over, we're going to go over this in community group, do you realize that there's over 51 another's in the New Testament. And what I be, mean by one another is it's where, how we practice love, compassion, exhortation, all these things that serve one another, all those one another's. You can't do that if you're not with the church. You can only do that when you're with the church. And so God calls us to these 50 plus one another's. And I have given, but ultimately I've, I've received so many in those small groups. I love what this one commentator wrote. He said, God calls us, God calls us to love. Not an abstract or superficial way, but in a deep face-to-face, life-on-life, transformative way. I'm going to read that one more time. God calls us to love not in an abstract or superficial way. We can be so good at that, can't we? Man, am I good at that. God calls us to love, not in an abstract or superficial way, but in a deep face-to-face, life-on-life, transformative way. Uh, Let's challenge one another to do that. Which can be difficult and messy, amen? (laughs) But God calls us to that. All right, so you, 
you each have a list of small groups. Um, if you're interested, in check, check one off. If you're interested, if you're in, in small groups, um, in one on one, please, please do not give it to the ushers as you leave. We want to help people as a church grow in Christ. We want Emmanuel Bible Church to be a church where people connect and grow. Uh, we want to help people do life on life. And ultimately, we want God to be glorified. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to turn to Psalm 133. We're going to get Mikey excited. I'm going to give him a little, uh, give a little Jewish history lesson. Uh, so in Psalm 133, you see under the title it says, A Song of Ascents of David. So a, song, a psalm or a song of ascent, uh, Psalms 120 through Psalm 134 are known as the Psalms or Songs of Ascent. And so what God's people would do, the nation of Israel, is three years they were called to pilgrimages, right? They were called to three separate feasts. Um, and so what the nation of Israel would do is as they're going on this ascent, because Jerusalem was high, as they were going on this ascent, they would actually repeat and sing Together, Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. They would do it together. And I thought it was just so fitting that Psalm 133 is in the midst of it. Isn't that, isn't that fitting? I mean, think about it. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, you on these feast days, you had people coming from all over the world, all different languages, and so on the way, as they're on this ascent, what they would do is they would sing out Psalm 133. So as they came together, it would be on their mind how God is blessed when we gather, but when we gather in unity. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Because... In those days, it was a physical ascent. Guys, I want to remind you that we are on ascent together. Amen? Uh, we're heading to a, a, a city whose designer and builder is God. That's where we're heading. All of us are right now heading in that direction. And so on our way, and while our, we're on our way, I want to remind us of Psalm 133. So we're going to try and do this together. All right, so let's just try verse 1. We'll sing it together. Well, we won't sing it because that'll be ugly. <laughs> but we'll just recite it. What's that? Good point. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do Psalm 133, verse 1. I don't care what version you got. Say it from the top of your lung and sing it out to him because it's a reminder for our hearts. Ready? Behold. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. <laughs> All right, everybody but those guys. <laughs> Isn't that the ESV? 
I thought we had the uh, ESV Bibles in the pews. What's that? Okay, we'll go with that. All right, so let's try it again. Ready? One, two, three. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's the music leaders that are off, right? The worship leaders. Amen, amen. Guys, listen to this. Listen to this. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard of the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Let's pray. Father, Father, um, oh Lord, our desire is to bring you glory. That's, that's our desire, is to bring you glory. And Father, you have revealed to me in your word that Lord, your design and your desire for us is to gather together as people. And Father, I know each heart here, and I know our desire is to make Emmanuel Bible Church an expression of glory to you. And so, Father, we're just asking, Lord, that you would move in our hearts, that, Lord, you would help us to to make this church a church that exalts your name. And, Father, I'm just asking, Lord, if it's through small groups, if there's some way, Lord, Give us wisdom on how to really move forward, on really how we can move forward where we can connect people together and ultimately be like that oil that ran down Aaron's shoulders and beard and be like the dew that was on Mount Hermon. And Father, that you would see it as a sweet-smelling savor in your sight. And Lord, that we would grow to be like Jesus Christ. Father, we love you. We love you so much. So we leave this in your faithful hands. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.